I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Live podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, QR codes, bungles and lockdowns. Why Victoria? Darren Hinch, welcome to That's Life. Nice to be back, Sunshine. Well, it is nice to be back, but uh, Victoria is having difficulties again. Yeah, yeah. Deja vu all over again. Look, I'm, the lockdown, um, to me, it came as a bit of a surprise until about a couple of days before when the word started to leak out. Um, obviously, there must be real fears about the extent of the current uh, breakout because and the, the the real extent of it around around Melbourne. I thought they might lock it down in Melbourne only or parts of Melbourne and not country Victoria. I mentioned I was in Mildura recently and uh, they hadn't had a COVID case for ages and they felt really put upon. But <laughs> You know, they obviously feel that uh, the transmission, it's a dangerous one and it can go. Um, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, maybe I sound naive. I'm listening to the, to the health experts that if we need a, a seven-day lockdown to try and knock this one on the head, then let's do it. Well, I, I agree. You know, you've got to listen to the health experts, but you can also, I guess, uh, discuss it and debate it and see, you know, uh, look oh, yeah. a, a lot of people uh, uh, are upset. I mean, let, let me start a, a, a firstly with, with the mother of the eight-year-old boy who died uh, on a school camp at Warrnambool. Drowned, yeah. He drowned. Now, the mother wanted to uh, have as many people as possible to his funeral to pay tribute to his life. Um, and uh, that was knocked back. They're in Warrnambool. As far as I know, they've had no cases in Warrnambool. But they can only, or they could only have 10 people to the funeral. Now, very, very cruel, very cruel and harsh. And I saw Alan Tudge on Insiders the other day trying to justify it. Um, there are a lot of people, I mean, not, not just kids who drown, but uh, who lose their parents and have had to trim back the number of people at funerals. I'm, I've heard great praise for her courage and her strength and that I think once the lockdown is lifted, they will have a memorial service for her little boy, which I think is a great idea. But uh, it, it, it is a tough one. Um, but to my view, it again says how... How dangerous the, the, these new breeds are! There's one coming out of Vietnam, which is meant to be a, a conglomeration of the Indian one. And look, I'm, maybe I'm naive, Tony, but I don't believe the government would have risked lockdown again unless they were scared shitless. No, I, I agree. Uh, th there's obviously an issue there, but uh, what I keep asking is, why Victoria? Yeah, good. That's a good point. And I see your tweets. Um, I don't know. I mean, we had the early. Um, disaster with, with hotel quarantine and this, the Andrews government buggered that up badly uh, and 800 people died. Uh, since then, they seem to have handled it fairly well. The, the blame's now moving on to the federal government. Why isn't more vaccine being moved out there? But on a state level, I mean, you've been watching last, last week, people, dedicated Victorians, showing great community spirit, um, have waited four, five, six hours to be tested. Now, surely by now, this, this has been around for more than a year, you know what's going to happen. Now, maybe it just got, people got complacent and this made them scared and they decided to get off their backsides and go out and get tested. But uh, 
you have people, I mean, I, I drove around the other day for a couple of hours trying to find a place, and um, I, I did manage to get tested, and I'm negative, but um, they, they could see this coming. This isn't exactly, didn't happen overnight. Well, that's right. I, I mean, the other thing I'm, I'm perplexed about is uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had my first COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Now, I went to the exhibition buildings, uh, the exhibition building, and uh, I was in getting a needle in my arm within five minutes of arriving. Right. They got all my details, wrote it all down. It took absolutely no... because there was no one there. And, and then a 15-minute wait to see if you're OK. And right? then you go into this little room and they, yeah. you know, s- sit you down and, uh, and after 15 minutes they say, how are you feeling, whatever, and then they let you go. So I was in and out in no more than 25 minutes and and uh, and then all of a sudden uh, this happens we have another lockdown we've got some cases and there's queues a kilometer long and, and, and chaos and toilet paper being raided again look they the, the, the phone system broke down I mean they, they, they say to you order online order online and then it breaks down now this should not be happening in 2021 a six-hour wait should not be happening in 2021. A three-hour wait shouldn't be happening. So <laughs> the state government's to blame as well because obviously they say, oh, you know, if you, if you call the thing and you can't get through, call back this afternoon. Well, I think people are to blame too. Uh, 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 mm-hmm. uh, everyone was saying, go and get vaccinated, go and get vaccinated, uh, and no one did. People were waiting. Now, people were well, waiting. Well, I keep getting me cut in here because you, you had bloody Josh Frydenberg and the Prime Minister saying, this is not a race. Um, you know, you can wait. Now, that's the last advice that you'll be giving people. Wait for a few months. The thing is, it is, it's not a race. It's urgent. And you should get vaccinated and do it as soon as you possibly can. Um, to, to wait back to sort of, um, you know, window shop for the right vaccine is madness. I mean, I, I had the, 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 the AstraZeneca and I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Well, I had the same vaccine as you, the AstraZeneca. I, I must say, um, I've had no real effects from it. Well, I told you on air the other day, I, I've had one effect, one side effect, and that was all the shit I got put on me <laughs> on, on, on Facebook and Twitter. I had it again the other day when I said, hey, we're doing okay. Three and a half million people have been vaccinated. Some guy says, how much are you being paid for this, mate? <laughs> so I wrote back and said, a million dollars. How much are you being paid in opposition? <laughs> well, the thing is, there's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of anger. And yes. I guess I guess it's because this has been going it's, on it's now. It's anger and, 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 it, and it's doubt and it's fear. And I understand all that. You've got less chance though, of being being getting a blood clot from this, this vaccine than an aeroplane hitting my house today. Look... It, it has raised a point which I find quite fascinating. In the past, and I'm old enough to remember all this, when we had poliomyelitis and Jonas Salk invented the vaccine, we couldn't wait to be vaccinated. We had vaccines for cholera, for smallpox, for German measles, for tetanus, and we didn't have this, this doubt. We trusted the medical authorities, maybe sometimes too much because we saw with thalidomide, but um, all these vaccines, especially poliomyelitis, I mean, think back to the days when, well, you're too young, but we had people in iron lungs and, and, and calipers. Um, I remember I, I, at that time in the early 50s, uh, I got what was called polio flu in New Zealand. And my parents were petrified. And they kept saying to me as I'm lying in my sickbed, just keep moving your legs, just keep moving your legs. 
So, and, and, and then when we got the, 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 the Sork vaccine, we thought it was a miracle. Well, I, I think what's happening is for the last 40 years, my generation has been lucky. We haven't mm. seen these uh, uh, mass issues of, of health like this. When you grew up with polio and you saw what happened to other kids at school or down the street, you knew that uh, it was a lottery and if there was something that could help you beat that lottery, you were going to take it. People of my generation, we haven't lived through that. So, you know, we've, we've now got these people who are anti-vaxxers um, and, uh, you know, measles uh, that used to kill people, uh, uh, all, all sorts of diseases that, that, that used to uh, harm and, and maim and kill people. We haven't seen that for 45 years. I mean, I, 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 there's a word called tuberculosis. My, we had a family friend who died of tuberculosis and we were petrified of it. You know, It could hit anybody. And But the main one, as you point out, polio, poliomyelitis was the main one. And, and in my generation, me and my parents were scared to death of it. Now, take me back, Darren, polio. Now, it was something that happened in the 40s and the 50s, correct? Yes. Now, am I right, the President of the United States, uh, uh, the wheelchair president? Franklin uh, Delano Roosevelt. Now, is that something he suffered from? Was it polio that he got? We, we don't know. I mean, because while he was president, before he died during World War II, we never saw pictures of him in a wheelchair. Even when there was that famous picture of Winston Churchill, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Stalin, uh, you, you know, they were all sitting down with rugs over their legs. You didn't know that, that, Stalin could, that um, Roosevelt couldn't walk. Right. But people that got polio used to have calipers on their yes, they legs. Yes, so they couldn't walk without, without the calipers. Very unsightly, big metal calipers. And many of them ended up in an iron lung because they couldn't breathe. It hit the lungs very hard. So you had the two things, the legs and the lungs. And... That all ended in the uh, 60s, uh, didn't it, polio? Jonas Salk brought out the vaccine. And to, I, remember, I read about him just recently again. To his credit, I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant inventor, he, he waived the copyright, the patent, so that anybody in the world could have his vaccine. Kids he could have made millions out of it. He didn't. He, he wasn't like the modern drug companies. He just said, I want the world to be saved from polio. Well, there's a bit of that going on now. A lot of these drug companies that get criticised, uh, you know, uh, uh, CSL, for example, uh, as far as I know, they're not charging for the uh, manufacturing that they're doing of the AstraZeneca vaccine. They're doing well, it that, as that a... Well, that is true. Also, all, all our vaccines, you, me, uh, they're free, so I presume the federal government is paying for them, has bought them. You mentioned thalidomide there yeah. uh, during that uh, discussion. Now, there were children my age... Uh, th this is a drug that pregnant women took to, when, to avoid morning sickness when they suffered morning sickness. Mm. That's right. And my daughter has just given birth to a baby. She suffered terribly from morning sickness. So a lot of women would have just taken it naively. And what happened as a result of that was babies were born with no arms, no legs, uh, severely dis de de deformed and disabled. Um, and uh, there are people alive. I mean, I remember seeing something on television about this kid who used to, uh, well, he's a man now, he used to drive a car and did everything with his feet because of thalidomide. The, the, ironically, thalidomide was in the late 60s, 
uh, late early early sixties, um, and it was owned. The, the drug was owned by I think by a liquor company, believe it or not. Uh, I, I raised it again in the Senate um, when I was in, in in the Senate a while ago, um, because I thought I likened thalidomide to a modern day medical scandal in Australia, which was called transvaginal mesh. That women were being implanted with this mesh on doctors' recommendations, and okay, they say only fifteen percent, but fifteen percent of women got, got it, had terrible problems with their health. They couldn't walk. I, I started a Senate committee hearing into it. We had public hearings. This mesh was made out of poly polypupe. What's called? I can't pronounce it even. Uh, that polyplastic. Um, and. It was implanted in women. It should never have been because it, it, it should never have been put in women because it, used to, it fragmented. It, it penetrated their vaginal wall. It, it, it was often given to them when they had prolapse after a pregnancy. So it was put in there like a, as a sling, a hammock, to hold their organs in place. Uh, and I recall it during my public interviews, a doctor who'd been prescribing it and saying, well, 85% of women who have it, um, you, know, you know, love it, loved it. And I said to him, we had a public hearing. I said, just look behind you. You've been in that chair for 30 minutes giving evidence. There are women behind you who are in such pain they can't even sit in a chair. They're lying on the bloody ground of this hearing room and you're pompously telling me that 15%'s okay? You know, I mean, they even had in Melbourne, a big scandal, this came out during our hearings, they had drug company members without the ho hospital management knowing this in surgery instructing um, surgeons how to implant it. They had, and the patient didn't know that also, while she's unconscious, you know, under anaesthetic, in surgery, there were drug company reps in the room with her there being intimately operated on and, and the hospital management did not know. I mean, it, it, and I said at the time on the Senate floor, this is the biggest medical scandal for women in Australia since the thalidomide. And I got a note from the... Uh, thalidomide organisation in the UK, and they said, Darren, you are wrong. It's worse than thalidomide. Mm. So there's that. It was a, and it's still around. I mean, there's legal, I'll, I'll be careful because there are lawsuits going on and some women in Australia have been, have, have won lawsuits about the uh, the wrong use of uh, this um, polypropylene, got it right, uh, polypropylene uh, plastic um, inserts. Um, it, it, it is a huge scandal. It's still there. Uh, in, in America, thousands of women are, are, are involved in lawsuits over it. And I, I was in Sydney to talk to a, a victim. She was 29, a, a legal clerk, and she came to visit me and was seen talking. And after about 20 minutes, I realised how uncomfortable she was. She couldn't sit anymore. And I said to her, could, could I get you a, uh, a taxi back to Cronulla, where she lived? And she said, no, I'd rather take the train. It's less painful standing up. This is a 29-year-old woman who, whose life had been destroyed, a fitness freak whose life had been destroyed by this, um, by this mesh implant. Well, that's horrible because she's only 29. She's got a life ahead of her. And, well, and, uh, and she, she, I'm sorry to interrupt, but she, she, she sold her apartment to get $50,000 cash so she could go to America where a, 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 a very well-known um, doctor knows how to remove the, the mesh, and she went there to have it removed, has hers removed, 
and she could only afford to spend, being, being America, she could only afford to spend one night in hospital and spend the next couple of nights in a hotel with her dad. Darren, let's get back to uh, the COVID situation. Now, a lot of people um, uh, have been pushing the federal government to set some sort of timeline as to uh, when all these vaccines could get done so that we can open up the economy. We, we... Hey, they, they put they set timelines and failed them all. Well, they have. Four million by March or whatever it was. Um, but eventually we do have to open up the economy. Yes. We, we can't live closed up forever. Um, at what point do you think uh, the borders should be reopened? Well, I, I think uh, both state and, and federal and international borders should be reopened after we get a few more people vaccinated. And I'm a great believer... Give me a vaccine. I'll go and line up for a vaccination passport. I mean, I, I've got a piece on my phone saying you're negative and I've transferred it to my emails just in case I have to produce it. But to me, there's nothing wrong with having a, having a piece of paper that says um, you, you've been vaccinated twice, the, 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 the logical way. So I don't know why people are opposed to that. It looks like there's going to be a, a slice of the population I don't know, 20% is a fear that they're talking about that doesn't want to get vaccinated, that won't get vaccinated. What do we do about them? Oh, you just say to them, OK, don't get vaccinated, that's fine. But you will not fly on Qantas. Uh, and if I owned a bar, I'd say, you can't come into my bar. I don't want to, I don't want to risk infecting my, my staff and my patrons. Uh, I'd be tough. I'd say, hey, show me you've been vaccinated or you can't come in. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, um, Joyce has made it quite, Alan Joyce has made it quite clear on Qantas, that's the way they want to go. The government has been a bit light about it. Yes, they're strong, then they're not, then they're strong. But um, I think you'll find many countries will start demanding that unless you can produce a vaccination certificate, you won't be able to fly with them, or if you do fly with them, you've got to spend two weeks in, in, in um, quarantine when you get to your destination. The problem is some of these 20 people will get ill they will go to hospital, they will clog up the hospital system, and some will die. True. Is that just something that happens? Is no, that... I, I, I found that the, the Virgin Boss's comments about I uh, will lose some, some will die, I found it very insensitive, and so did the PM. I mean, she could have phrased it better. I know, I think I know now where she's trying to come from, but uh, I mean, we can't shut down the world because of this forever. Uh, so you have to find ways to handle it. I, I thought the way that Sydney, New South Wales handled it with the Avalon Beach thing of just shut down certain areas. I, I think that was a, a wise way to go. And I happened to be caught in that. I was um, at an Airbnb on the northern beaches at the time and I accepted that. But the CBD still kept operating. Businesses still stayed open. People weren't going broke. Uh, casual workers weren't l losing money, and I think that's the way it'll have to be in future, where we we pick the areas. I'm, I, if I'd have been uh, the Premier of if, if Victoria, I'd have probably not gone for a total state lockdown. I'd have maybe gone for parts of Melbourne, uh, the northern suburbs, etc. But we're told by the so-called experts that that doesn't work, that people in those suburbs could still go to and spread it to say Bendigo or Shepparton or, or, you know, or Wangaratta. But we can't keep locking places down. Once we get 80% of people vaccinated, the other 20% who don't want to be vaccinated, um, they should just be left to fend for themselves, should yes. they not? 
I mean, obviously, yeah, I if they get sick, they go to hospital. They get all the medical treatment that and they, they need. They fend for themselves yeah. until they need it. Well, yeah. Um, uh, and so we hope then once, you know, uh, it becomes apparent that really you need to be vaccinated, more of that 20% will be convinced that that's the right thing to do. Ironically, and well, the only good things come out of the seven-day lockdown in Victoria, at least seven days, is that it's, it's scared people. Not just um, the government's trying to work it out, but people are now, I mean, that's why you had the six-hour queues and the long long lines of people saying, shit, I better get myself vaccinated. And that, so that was, that was a plus sign. But, but I mean, we've, we've handled it terribly. The federal government, with aged care, with people with disabilities, you saw the figures, they should have been done much earlier. We've got a recent case, I think, just in the last few days, of a, of a care worker in an aged care centre. Has that care worker been vaccinated? Every care worker in every aged care centre should have been vaccinated along with the front, other frontline troops like doctors and nurses. Well, I agree with you. And this all sort of came out just uh, at a parliamentary hearing, I, I, I think. I keep getting back to the word transparency. We mm. should know who has been vaccinated. We should have known way beforehand how many elderly people in nursing homes have been vaccinated. We shouldn't have to find out in a piecemeal way that there's still 200 nursing homes uh, of 2,400, I don't know whether it was Australia or Victoria, but it was a large number of nursing homes where, where not one person has been vaccinated. Well, we should have known how few disabled people had been vaccinated when they said, we heard politicians saying, you know, they are, of course, they are, they are top priority, and they weren't. And they're among the most vulnerable. Yeah, so I ask, what's, what's going on? You know, why, why the delay in doing all because, this? Because governments like to cover up. Uh, it sounds awful to say, but we, how many millions, and you, you've been on this from day one, how many millions of dollars were spent by the Victorian government on the, that, that inquiry into the hotel quarantine? You know, and, and, and we still didn't find out who, do not know, who authorised the hiring of those inadequate uh, um, security groups out of Sydney. We've never been told and we can't find out. And uh, the sad thing is we now probably will not ever find out because the world has moved on and whoever it is that made that decision has got away with the worst decision in Victoria's history, financially and socially, I believe, ever, ever made. We'll find um, out one day when the person in the office who signed off on it for his or her boss will go public. Well, I hope that uh, that happens <laughs> at, uh, at some stage. Uh, Darren, before we go, I wanted to touch on something. Now, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember, in the 1980s, there was a, a worldwide case about a guy who uh, worked, was an auto worker in Cleveland, Ohio. His name was John Demyanyuk. He was a uh, Ukrainian person. Uh, the allegation was that he was the, 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 the guy called Ivan the Terrible, who uh, was so cruel with uh, Jewish people uh, at Treblinka death camp in uh, mm. the Ukraine during the Second World War. Do you remember that case? I, I vaguely do now, but wasn't he, wasn't he about 90 when he was finally deported from America? Well, he was deported in 1986 to Israel, where he faced trial. 
he was originally convicted of it and sentenced to hang, and then new evidence came out and uh, the Supreme Court of Israel, five judges, decided that the, there, was en- there was enough doubt for him to, for the conviction to be overturned. The reason I mention all this is I was watching a wonderful documentary, three-part or four-part episodes on uh, Netflix the other day, and it was all about this particular case. Fascinating to watch. So if anyone's got Netflix, I know you have, Durham, but... Um, you like to watch news. Tony, let me tell you something. I, 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 I'm sorry I've interrupted your recommendation. Tell people to watch it, but I have just cancelled Netflix and Stan. I've had them for years. I have it, it, All during the lockdown, I have not watched one movie on Netflix or Stan, so I thought, why am I doing this? I watch news or I write books. Right. <laughs> You're not going to watch... Say, I, I said something very cruel once. I was being interviewed by Helen Garner, going back from the, the author about uh, from Monkey Grip. She interviewed me for the National Times years ago and arrogantly and stupidly she said, what are you reading these days? And I said, if I've got time to read a book, I've got time to write one, <laughs> which I regretted. But uh, but these days, no, I've just cancelled Netflix and cancelled. I, I haven't, watched, haven't watched it once, haven't watched one. The two things I didn't do during the big lockdown, I didn't watch t- movies and I did not once order takeaway food from Uber or Uber Eats or, or whatever. Well, look, I, I don't watch movies, but I, I, I like watching documentaries and uh, this one because I remember there's a bits and pieces that I forgot, mm. I'd forgotten about. But uh, it was just fascinating because giving evidence at the trial in Israel were a lot of the uh, victims. victims who have now died. And uh, there was one famous and really... Uh, quite an, an amazing moment during the trial where where the lawyer for the defence, the lawyer for Demyanyuk, asked this victim to walk across and look into Demyanyuk's eyes and Ooh. determine whether it was him that was this so-called Ivan the Terrible. So the victim walks over, looks into his eyes, and Demyanyuk puts his hand out to shake it and the guy sort of repels and it's just uh, quite a, a moment. In, and, and it was a case that enveloped Israel for mm. month after month. And we talk about all this, of course, uh, given the troubles that have happened in Israel in the last yeah, couple yeah. of uh, weeks with, uh, you know, the bombings, Hamas, Hamas and all that sort of... Is there going to be a solution to that, Darren? Well, they haven't found one for hundreds of years, and... Uh what I annoyed me about this was that the, all the stories that's coming out about, and it was awful, the deaths and the destruction um, in, in, in Hamas-held areas. But pe- people it died in Israel too. I mean, Hamas unloaded all these missiles at, at, at Israel, Israeli cities, and uh, that didn't seem to make the news as much. Look, can I just jump back to one other thing, going back to your, your Holocaust um, story? One of my... Greatest, saddest, moving moments when I was hosting the midday program was I had two Jewish men come on the program with their piano accordions. And they had them because as as young men, they survived the, the death camps because they were grabbed by the Germans to entertain the Nazis uh, in in, in their, their quarters, 
And so they played music on their piano accordions for their German captors. And that's that's the only reason they were still alive to play them again in um, in uh, in Sydney when I was doing doing midday. It was just so moving to watch them, you know. It really was. Mm, I can uh, I, I can imagine. Uh, Darren Hinch, uh, thank you very much for your time uh, today, and uh, we'll talk, talk again. Soon.